What's up, citizens of Apologia? This is King Ginger, and I just wanted to take a moment to encourage you all to sign up for Apologia All Access. When you sign up for Apologia All Access, you're going to get exclusive on-demand content. This means that you and your entire family are going to get to watch every single TV show, every single after show, and every single Apologia Academy with new content dropping every single week. But most importantly, your contribution helps Apologia Studios create quality, Christ-centered entertainment that reaches millions of people on our YouTube channels and through our podcast with the gospel. So what are you waiting for? Change everything at ApologiaRadio.com Non-rockabotus must stop I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Brett, delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> she hung up on me. Yes! Oh what? What? <laughs> Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go into the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. I got got a bit of a jiggle neck. (laughs) That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when yeah. they're not. Take an amazing journey to a place that will blow your mind and move your heart so you will never be the same again. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Apologia Radio. This is the gospel heard around the world coming at you guys from Phoenix, Arizona. I'm Jeff the Coleman and Ninja. That's Luke the Bear. What up? Also, Marcus King Ginger Pittman. I'm alive. That's right. That's right. It's been a busy <laughs> week. And so it's been crazy. we got Zach Conover, Director of Communications from EndAbortionNow.com. Welcome to the show, Zach. Presente. <laughs> Present. Muy presente. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, lots to talk about today. Welcome to the show. If you guys are a new listener, we are glad you guys joined us. You guys can all go to ApologiaRadio.com, get over 200 past radio and podcast episodes. Such a blessing to be a part of this, guys. So humbling and just amazing the things that God is doing around the world. Just actually got word recently that um, there's a church in Canada, another church in Canada, a? That uh, a another church in Canada that uh, started people started listening to Apologia Radio at the at, in the church and then ended up getting up to the elders and this church in Canada became reformed. It's amazing. The whole way. Wow. Uh, it's the second church in Canada we've heard of that's gone uh, to reform theology as a result of listening to Apologia Radio. What? Praise God. Praise that the Lord. Reform theology will get you. That's all. It'll get you every time. <laughs> it'll get you every time. That Bible though. Hey guys, uh, we are so excited about what God is doing uh, in the world, uh, in the kingdom of God, and in the small part that we play in it and that he's allowed us to play in it. We're just so grateful. God has been doing so much this last year through your partnership with us. So that's the thing we want to emphasize. Um, All of you guys who share content, pray for us, and in particular those of you guys that are actually partnering with us on a monthly basis with Apologia All Access, you know, it seems like, you know, $7.95 so it's a small, small donation. Um, you said sent. Did I say it sent? 
you're like, like it's it, I, but it was really delayed. It's because I've been watching Mix. 75 cent. What's right for you guys? Big treat. 75 cent. Uh, that donation, <laughs> when you have the amount of people that are partnering with us, that goes a long way, and it it allows us to do what we're doing. So, for example, can I give you guys just one quick example and move into the show content for the day? Um, we went to Kauai recently because they're planning a church there, um, and bringing Marcus out and filming and going out there and, and getting in, engaged with some Mormons that were out there. Mm-hmm. We were able to record that and and put it up. It's already been seen. It's already been seen by thirty thousand people, um, and around the world. It's crazy. And that whole conversation, blessing people. Mormons are engaged in hearing the gospel, and you know people are coming to Christ. Christians are getting encouraged to go out and, and defend the faith. And all that takes place because of you. That that is the True. truth. It does not happen. This ministry doesn't even happen without you. If you don't know this, Apology of Church is a small church. It's a small church. We're not a mega church. We're a very small church. 200 people. About 200 people. And and we just depend on believers from around the world to partner with us in this work. And because you do, big things happening. And so mm. I'll move right into what's happened just this week. God gave us the opportunity to have a, a platform where we can engage the culture weekly on a broad variety of issues to do it in a compelling and meaningful way, in an innovative way in a hopefully a faithful way and to do it with the heartbeat of it all to point people to endabortionnow.com to engage the culture of death and God's given us our first week it was a huge success huge success and I wanted to say thank you to everybody who watched it and shared it and in particular those of you guys that have been encouraging us all week I mean I think that we've got more positive encouragement and amazing things said about this new platform than anything else we've ever done. Mm. We um, had, we had, I just want to make this clear in terms of like how many people were watching. During the first minute of the countdown, we had more people watching uh, before the show even started than people that watch our abortion live streams. Right. It's true. So yeah, when it was first opening up and just in the countdown, right? Is yeah, that what you're talking about? Yeah. Just in the countdown. There's like it was 400 like, it was incredible. people within yeah. the first We were just minutes. like, stand, we couldn't even sit down. We were just like, oh, what is happening? Right, right. <laughs> so right as of right now, we're doing the show on a Thursday. It's got about 40,000 plus views on our Facebook Live. And it's got about, I don't know, five, six, I guess, on YouTube. We just dropped it there. Um, so God has just really been blessing that, which means it's more opportunity for us to communicate the biblical worldview and the gospel into all these cultural issues, that's what it's about. It's mm-hmm. not about apology at church, not about apology at studios, not about me, it's not about Luke, it's not about Zach, Marcus, none of us. Yeah. It's about a weekly opportunity to engage in a faithful way with the gospel. And think about this, guys. For those of you guys that have been following us for years and been supporting us for years, think about this. It is a reformed church, mm-hmm. like straight-up orthodoxy, right? Old-school theology engaging with this cultural stuff. We're not talking about you know, like a TBN sort of thing. We're able to get like reform doctrine into the mainstream so that we're able to engage. It's awesome. It really is a blessing. And, um, you know, we had, you know, a few people that couldn't understand (laughs) what was going on. Uh, Definitely some some trolls here and there saying some things. You'll get those. You'll get them. You can't avoid it. You're on the internet. That's what makes it fun. Yeah, it makes it fun. Keeps you going. Um, And so just, it's a big moment. And we're excited. And for those of you guys that gave towards End Abortion Now, uh, give us an update, Zach. End Abortion Now, what is up? Man, we've just been getting kits out left and right, getting caught up with everyone that registered. So 
very, very exciting time considering all the legwork that was done leading up to this point. Now it's really kind of moving forward like a well-oiled machine. So hopefully we're pretty much caught up right now with everything. So churches are continuing to register, which is really encouraging. Over even 200. after, Yeah, I mean, even after this time, yeah, we're amazing. still getting new registrations. People are talking to one another. Churches are talking to each other. So it's been very encouraging to hear about that. They're going to the clinics. We see live videos from Maine, as yeah. far as Maine, all yeah. the way across the country. Yeah. Midwest. We have a lot, lot girls. of... <laughs> yes. Did you see that? Yes. Yeah. Nine-year-old girls right. reaching outside an abortion mill door. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yep. Amazing. Those, those Hoosiers are doing big things Hoosiers in Indiana, man. Hey. That's right, yeah. Hoosiers. Crazy stuff, man. And hey, uh, for those of you guys that gave towards it, can I give you guys a little comparison? Uh, not in any way to glory in ourselves, but just in, in terms of what look what God is doing. Some of you guys gave 20 bucks towards End Abortion Now. Some of you guys gave $1,000 towards End Abortion Now. We had an initial goal and budget of $250,000. And in comparison to the pro-life movement and organizations, that is just a drop in the bucket. Right. Uh, one example oh. is oh what we gosh. talked about last week on Apologia Radio is uh, the, abor- the pro-life industry raised $250 million. That's a quarter of a billion dollars Ooh. to fight against partial birth, ab- birth abortion and did nothing, accomplished nothing to save one life mm. and uh, just added four inches, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's $250 million. God allowed us to raise $250,000, such a small amount of money mm-hmm. uh, in comparison. And guess what? We're not even a year in and over 200 local churches across the country that are out now saving lives and preaching the gospel. We have a weekly platform to engage. We're sending out stuff uh, on, in the media and we're sharing it and, and sponsoring it. So it's seen by more people. Uh, you know, I, I am convinced that Huffington Post wrote that article about Planned Parenthood supporters damaging the cause that they're, through their behavior. Um, I am convinced that they wrote that because of what we were putting out, exposing mm. Planned Parenthood supporters' crazy behavior with the cowbells and everything else. There's no right. question about There's that. There's no question yeah. about right. that. Yes. And so, it, it, guys, things are happening. So for those of you guys that gave, praise God. He is at work. Big time. Big time. Big time. Zach held a baby in his arms about three weeks ago that was saved from death at the local death camp. And um, man, I'm telling you what. That was amazing. God is doing big things. And I just can't wait to see like what he got, what God does through all of us uh, in the coming months, even just the coming months, things are happening so quickly. So um, yeah, let's do it. So can I give you guys something? This is going to be a little weird. Can I just say that this next part's going to be a little weird. And so I'm going to acknowledge that up front and just, say, and just say that we're not exactly, we're not like fans of Sir Mix-A-Lot. <laughs> Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. So a couple of weeks, Sir Mix-A-Lot, baby got back. It's in like cartoons now. And it's like, you know, if you were in the 90s, if you're a 90s kid like me, you know about Sir Mix-A-Lot, baby got back. Didn't he do I Like Big Bibles? Uh, yeah, right. No, I think it was a little different. <laughs> this is a little, a little different. Oh, um, sure. so, I remember that. Yes, I remember that. That's that's amazing. So, um, so I, I can't remember exactly where I was when this happened, but I see something come up in our apology and message thread, and it's Carmen got a job. Carmen is our head editor and cameraman and all things. He's the catch-all. Carmen um, started with us as a homeschool woodpecker. Didn't even know how to put a battery in a camera. 
a couple years ago, and now he's the guy that we depend on for everything. He is super skilled, professional, amazing. Still a woodpecker, though. Still a woodpecker. Yeah. That's right. He will always that. be a woodpecker to us. And um, that's for sure. But Carmen, um, if you see something coming from Apologia Studios, there's a good chance Carmen's hands are all over that. He did it. And Apologia TV, an after show for those of you guys that are um, all access, which we hope is all of you. Um, he does that. You're seeing his work. Well, anyway, I see in my message thread that Carmen's got this amazing job and he's done doing some work and, and everyone's freaking out over who it is. And I'm like, who is it? And, and it's Sir Mix-a-Lot. The Sir Mix-a-Lot. Yeah. The one-hit wonder. Right? The one-hit wonder. Sir Mix-a-Lot, baby got back. And so it turns out Carmen got a job uh, because from of his where? skills. Um, Where'd she come from? What? Where'd she go? Oh, like where... <laughs> Like where we got back from where? <laughs> oh, got it. Okay. Took me a second there. Yeah. Luke is a master of dad jokes and puns. That's true. Yes. Okay. And I'm so, proud of it. Yes. Love it. So anyway, he gets a job uh, working for Sir Mix-a-Lot to do a behind the scenes of a new video uh, that's made by Joe Nichols, uh, where he's doing a cover country version of Sir Mix-a-Lot's um, Baby Got Back. Now, like I said, we're not big fans of Sir Mix-a-Lot. We're not telling you to like the show. We're not saying we like the show. We're not saying it's holy. What we are saying is that isn't it amazing that you got a Christian like Carmen who's good at his skill and what he does and he was able to land a job to produce content for something at this high level. And I'm going to let you Dominion. hear this. I'm going to let you That's hear this. Dominion. Because it's, never, it's not going to be out of your head for the rest just, of the day. Just warn people too. I'm warning you like now. The genres ha- cross, it'll jar you. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Here you go. I like big butts and I cannot lie You other fellas can't deny When a girl walks in with an itty-bitty waist A round thing up in your face <laughs> So there you go. Look, like I said, I, I preface that by saying we're not in support of the lyrics and all those different things, but what is amazing is that you have a homeschool woodpecker like Carmen that is so skilled in his labor now that he's getting picked up for jobs. Do you do you remember when Darren Doan was at Reform Con and he told that kid rock story? Yeah. Yes. So he, yep. Darren Doan said that he was working, you know, he's worked with all sorts of musicians on music videos and he was he was saying that Kid Rock wanted him to do a video mm-hmm. and Darren Doan essentially said uh, well, when you grow up and don't want strippers in your videos, give me a call. Right. And three years later, he called him and said, hey, I've grown up. And uh, and so Darren did the music video for him. Mm-hmm. So there's an importance of having Christians who are um, influencing the creative culture mm-hmm. so that they get to decide what goes in the videos that they make and the pagans come to them for work. True. So. Yes, yes, yes. All right, so hey, we have an amazing opportunity today to share with you what my favorite TV show we've ever done. The audio from it uh, happened today. Uh, it's my favorite one uh, because I, you'll see. It's just going to, I think, really bless you. Um, we wanted to do a show talking about um, the standard of piety that oftentimes evangelicals in the West erect around our language now by the way i want to just say this because it's important if you were to go into my house 
my home does not allow any kind of cursing and swearing and crude language and those sorts of things. It doesn't, my kids haven't heard that come out of my mouth and they're not, and we're not hearing it come out of our kids' mouths. It's not even allowed in our home. Um, you know, hot sauce is a big thing uh, early on. Uh, Tabasco sauce is a good way to solve the potty mouth for kids. Oh, you do a oh, really? on your finger and you put it right there on the lips. They remember not that, to say. Is that why your kids like hot sauce? Not to say naughty. <laughs> simply, that's why turtles like. I'm good with hot sauce. I got that. Um, so, uh, so in terms of like crude talk, um, offensive language, those sorts of things, abusive language, not allowed, not holy speech. Completely opposed to that. However, we believe that there's a standard of piety that's been erected by modern evangelicals that is not ultimately biblical in terms of how we actually engage with sin and say with the culture of death. Uh, there is, of course, the famous 11th commandment of modern evangelicals, and that is that thou shalt be a sweetheart, right? Uh, and we're going to play a, we're going to play the entire TV show today for you in this episode, so you get to hear it um, with Doug Wilson mm-hmm. talking about the serrated edge. Yes. Uh, so let's talk about it for a minute, guys. Before just for just for a minute, uh, before we go into the Doug Wilson interview, let's talk about uh, how we speak satire, uh, metaphor, strong language to. Um, come against unbelieving thought and sin? Well, well, I think it's important to use strong language because the Bible does. And we, talk, we talked about this on our live stream that we did with like Ezekiel, where it's just really, it's, it's a biblical vulgarity. There's, there's no other way to explain it. And uh, it's just, it's, it's amazing that when you read those passages in the Bible, you don't see preachers you know, going through those on, on Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so, but when we talk about, uh, like Christian media, there's this really ungodly standard as to what a good movie or TV show can contain. And uh, that is not, it's not a biblical standard. It's a marketing standard that we've kind of embraced as a biblical law. And so it's just not it's not good, and it makes Christians irrelevant and um, unengaging and in, in their dialogue. I think, and and so that you know that's why we started next week was because we really wanted a show that specifically is cutting and sharp right. and, and 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 detrimental to opposing worldviews. Yeah, and and uh, I think that's what we got, man. I think that's the show is. I'm I'm so excited about it. And I just wanted to mention something real quick. We kind of went, we kind of skipped over it, but we had 740 live viewers. Uh, that was a record for us. And 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 not only that, today, PureFlix they have a million views on their Facebook page. We only have 30,000. They have a million likes on their Facebook page. We only have 30,000. And and today, PureFlix did a live video, and there was only 70 people watching. So that's a really huge compliment to our followers who engage on our webpage. It is. So so you guys really you. shared and promoted that show. Like that's an that's an insane number. I, I've seen answers in Genesis live streams that didn't have that many viewers. I, I saw um Kirk Cameron's Bible V Bible V episodes that didn't have that many live viewers. So so I mean, it's it's really tremendous, guys, and I look forward to that growing. And we and now we needed twenty five thousand live viewers. Yeah, we need we need twenty five thousand live viewers. Yes. And so you know, it only takes a video that gets it only takes one episode of next week that gets eight hundred thousand views to beat uh, the lowest rated 
talk show on broadcast television. Yeah, and that's that's having a Christian show communicating biblical truth and the gospel at a level that's beating these other shows. Yeah, and and, and it's important. It's important because because all those every other late night host has a distinct liberal worldview. Every right. one of them. There's right. not a single one of the hosts that are not liberal. Now there are there are like Jimmy Fallon uh, who play a sort of politically neutral position in their monologues and jokes. It's mm-hmm. a myth. Well, it is a myth, but but you know he'll come down on both sides. But ultimately, right. it comes out in the interviews and and other things that they talk about. And so, like our like we said, we want to be on that stage, and we want to engage these people at the same level. Right. And um and and I think uh it's I I'm I'm excited. This is honestly I'm I I've never been more proud of anything we've done mm. than this show. Yeah. So and Lord willing, it's only gonna get better. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it will get better. So yeah. we're gonna let Doug do most of the talking here, guys. We can put this clip in. So just to wrap this up, this discussion, let me just point you to a text in terms of how God strongly denounces sinful behavior in the Old Testament. We can show you examples from the New. And Doug does that in the interview. But let me just uh, read for you Ezekiel 16.30, God speaking about his people going off and committing spiritual adultery against him. He's the husband in covenant with them, and they've gone off now, and they've sinned by uh, syncretism going and doing what the other nations are doing. Look what he says here in Ezekiel 16.30. How sick is your heart, declares the Lord God, because you did all these things, the deeds of a brazen prostitute. He said, you're a hooker. That's, That's what he's saying. You're a hooker. Hmm. building your vaulted chamber chamber at the head of every street, making your lofty place in every square, yet you were not like a prostitute because you scorned payment. So here's God saying, you know, you've built all this like in, in the public square for everyone, everybody to come and see you. You're not even ashamed of it. He says, but you're different than other hookers because you didn't take any payment for yeah. what you did. You offered for free. You did it for free, but you, you, you gave your gifts to all your lovers, bribing them to come to you from every side with your whorings. So you're different from other women in their whorings. No one solicited you, solicited you to pay, play the whore, and you gave payment while no payment was given to you. Therefore, you're different. So he's saying you actually pay other people. You pay other people to be the hooker. So mm. you're different than other hookers. Oh, man. Now, that's, that's some strong language. And somebody could say, well, you should never speak to somebody in their sin like they're not an image bearer of God. And, and Doug's going to answer that for us in a little bit. They're the ones that are pretending like they're not. Uh, but here's, here's, a, here's a really strong one. Ezekiel chapter 23. And if you have kids, well, this is in the Bible. Uh, but I'll, I'll do my very best just to let it speak for itself, okay? So um, just be aware of little ears because this is a conversation about adult things, of course. Um, Ezekiel 23, God's continuing just to point to Israel's sin. And he says in Verse 18, when she carried on her whoring so openly and flaunted her nakedness, I turned in disgust from her as I had turned in disgust from her sister. Yet she increased her whoring, remembering the days of her youth when she played the whore in the land of Egypt and lusted after her paramours there, that means lovers. She lusted after her lovers there whose members or genitals were like those of donkeys and whose issue or emissions was like that of horses. So here, now, why talk about it? My, the point in bringing it up is, listen, if we as Christians set up a standard of piety in terms of engaging sin, right, 
that if we take that standard of piety and put it into the Bible, it ends up making God look like he's sinning, then our standard of piety mm. in terms of how we actually speak against sin is wrong. It's wrong. Mm. And we have to come to grips with that because as we engage a culture of death and a culture that is increasingly hostile to the biblical worldview, we have to make sure that we're engaging that world and that culture and those sins in a way that's consistent with the way that God does. It doesn't mean that as a Christian you're unloving. It doesn't mean you're disrespectful in any way. It doesn't mean that you're unkind. It means that you deal with sin the way that sin needs to be dealt with, and if you, you talk about sin in the way that God would talk about it. So, mm -hmm. if God mocks a sin in the Bible, then we ought to mock it too, because that's how God right. does it. And that's the point. And so, as Christians, we want to be faithful in the ministry that's God put the ministry that God's put before us, and we want to make sure that we're saying things in a way that are consistent with the way the Lord Jesus would. And and and. Zach, why would that be? It's something you mentioned to Doug at the end of the episode, but fill it out. Why would it be important to do it in this way? What does it do? Well, What's the end result? Yeah, I mean, one of the examples that he gave that I thought was really good was in the book of Job, when God shows up on the scene and basically answers Job with all these rhetorical questions. And Job ends up coming to a place of complete and utter repentance to God because mm. he realizes the seriousness of his sin. Right, Who is he right. to question this God who made all things. So what it does is, you know, when you're engaging in, you know, righteous mockery, as you call it, people would say, well, that's an image bearer of God that you're ultimately coming against. But that person is usually the one that's defacing the image of God. Right. And the pointing out of that through the righteous mockery of that sin is drawing them out of that and hopefully to repentance when it's all said and done. So, I mean, I would say the biggest thing I took away from this was the reason Christians, including me, like before ever hearing about it, don't have a category for it, honestly, I think is, has a lot to do with biblical illiteracy. Yes. We just, yeah, we don't true. read our Bibles. We don't read our like, Bibles. When was the last time that you sat down and read the book of Ezekiel? Like, right. It, it just, I, I can, I mean, I asked myself that. So from beginning to end. So I think if we were just to get our theology the way that we speak, the way that we do everything, from evangelism to righteous mockery from the text of Scripture, we would have the categories for these things. I was thinking I told, I think I told Luke, maybe I told Zach, one of the two of you guys, I was talking to Candy about Serrated Edge and the book mm. that Doug wrote, mm. right? And then she was like, well, what do you, give me an example, what do you mean? Mm. And so I quoted Ezekiel twenty three twenty to her, right? I just said it. Yeah, that's she, not there. She said, she said <laughs> don't, I, don't ever say that. And I was like, well, what I just said to you? She said, don't, don't say that. Don't, don't ever say that. I said, babe, that's from the Bible. She goes, no, it isn't. I said, it really is. It's from the Bible. She's like, no, it is not. Don't ever say that on your show. I said, it's in the Bible. She's like, no, it's not. I said, babe, I'll show you right now. She goes, which translation is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's, that brings up a good point. Even you'll hear Doug say is yep. that our modern translations have actually not they've done a disservice to the text. They've sanitized so, it. So what sense. you quoted to her is probably uh, not as strong as what the actual language says. And I was even just thinking now, like nobody's mentioned Scubalon. Right. Right. Like, right. you know, if you know what that is, as Paul talk, says rubbish essentially is Scubalon, but that's like, it could probably argue that it's stronger than crap. Right. Oh, like yeah. it's the strongest yeah. of the word you could possibly use for feces essentially you know and like but nobody talks about that and, it, and again it says rubbish in our text like that's such a weak sauce 
translation of what the what the word actually meant. Right, doesn't give it the full power. In light of that, we're going to play a clip from you for you guys right now before we go into the Doug Wilson thing. Let's just take a second here, and uh, this is Doug Wilson debating Christopher Hitchens. Now, the Bible says to in Proverbs chapter twenty six, verses four and five, it says, "Don't answer the fool according to his folly, lest he be uh, why um, sorry, lest thou be like unto him." And then it says, "Answer the fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit." So this is Doug debating Christopher Hitchens, one of the most famous atheists in history in modern history anyway, and um, he is in a pub debating him, and this is sharp a sharp way to answer the fool according to his folly. Just so you know, if you have children around, there is a word here, but it's a word used to answer the fool according to his folly. This is what I would call the serrated edge at its best. Then we understand it's, it's stranger, clearer than we can understand. Um, I'm quite happy to, uh, that the arguments of ethics and morality and philosophy remain unresolved. See, I don't look for certainty. But you don't act I don't look for I don't look for a final <laughs> teleological verdict. I, I know that it will, I will always be arguing. Why is it that the killing, the kicking of a, a pregnant woman in front of me is incredibly repulsive? And yet I could demand the killing no, no. of her and her unborn child in different circumstances. You just said this. this argument will go on, and and probably can't be resolved. It doesn't mean we have to capitulate a situation where ethics or ethics. But, but it is not improved. It is not improved, let alone solved, by the introduction of a supernatural authority. The supernatural authority is of no help to us. And it may order us to do things that a secularist would cringe from doing, such as murdering his son to please a Stone Age uh, idol. I'll make you a deal, for example. I'll make you a deal. You say that the the basic questions of morality are unresolved. Here's the deal. Why don't you write like they are unresolved? Whoa. Well, I'm, I'm virtually everything you write, you act like, and you and you write. I think many times correctly, you denounce as though they are they are completely and totally resolved. Look, Christopher, there is no God. Shit happens. There you go. Each man a Dougie. Yeah. Answer the fool according to his folly. Unbelieving thought, an atheist like Hitchens has no basis for morality. He believes that all of us are stardust protoplasm in a cosmos that doesn't care. He believes that there's ultimately no objective standard of morality, and here he's complaining about wickedness and sin and those sorts of things. And so Doug answers the fool according to his folly. And you're going to hear how to do that right now on Apologia Television. Apologia TV. This is the audio from that, guys. Thank you so much for listening to us. Don't forget to go to ApologiaStudios.com and sign up for all access. Thank you guys for listening today. We're going to end this show today with a half an hour segment with our friend Douglas Wilson on the Serrated Edge. Hey guys, how's it going? I am Chris Wineland, and I am so excited to talk to you guys about Apologia All Access. You're going to get full episodes, after shows, uh, maybe me doing some crazy stuff. Who knows? I, I, I think I learned how to do it. I learned how to hit the record button, put it in. They don't even know. I come here at night and do it, so it's going to be great. It'll be on there. And you're also going to get Apologia Academy, and you do not want to miss any of those things. I'm telling you, it's amazing. Not only that, but we've got a brand new a website coming up. Apologia All Access website, and it's going to be fantastic. I've already heard people talking about it, and it it looks amazing. You have to join Apologia All Access. You do not want to miss that. 
This is the Chocolate Knox. If you love that wonderful sensation of chewing glass, this is the show for you. Cross Politic is a weekly show and podcast that mixes the taboo formula of faith, culture, and politics, proclaiming the Lordship of Christ in every corner of our culture. Hallelujah. Gabriel Wrench is a deacon from Texas, and he wears overalls. One time. <laughs> Chocolate Knox, a.k.a. David Shannon. He's a movie maker from Minnesota. Action! I'm Toby Sumter, pastor here in Moscow, Idaho, and I used to live in Alaska. Did you know that? No. No. We've interviewed everyone from Alveda King to Ted Cruz to Steve Dace to Walter Williams, and we invite you to join us here at CrossPolitik as we learn to fight, laugh, and feast all to the glory of God. CrossPolitik.com. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Apologia TV. You get more at ApologiaRadio.com or ApologiaStudios.com. That's Luke the Bear. What up? I'm Jeff the Calm and the Ninja. And this is Zach right here, the Director of Communications of EndAbortionNow.com. Howdy. Is this your first time on Apologia TV? That's what I was wondering. No, one time before. One time before, okay. that's right. Yeah. That's, yeah, it felt kind of familiar. Yeah. So I didn't know for sure. All right, Glad guys. to grace it again. That's right. So, um, big things happening at Apologia Studios. I want to first say a thank you to all of our all-access partners. You make everything we do possible. So, thank you. We just launched a brand new late-night talk show. Um, it is airing on Facebook Live, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at Apologia Radio's Facebook page. So, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard. Uh, next week with Jeff Durbin, uh, every Tuesday. And again, Apologia Radio's Facebook page. If you haven't gone there to like that yet, make sure you guys do that. You guys can get connected there. You can also see it on the YouTube channel, Apologia Studios, the day after. And uh, so big things happening here. God's really blessed us with an opportunity to have a platform to speak to the culture with the gospel and uh, with the biblical worldview. And uh, with this new show, uh, we do some pretty kind of cutting, serrated edge kind of commentary things yes. against the culture. So the purpose of the show really is to, is to communicate the gospel to the culture and to really rally churches across the country around endabortionnow.com to bring the gospel to the abortion mills and to put an end once and for all for uh, to abortion. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's more broad. We're not so nearsighted as to say it's just abortion. We want to engage all the cultural issues that lead to um, the culture of death in our nation. Mm -hmm. But with this show comes some pretty tough stuff, some hard statements oh, yeah. against right. uh, unbelieving culture, and a secularist worldview, atheistic worldview. And so we thought that we would um, gather the, the help of one of our favorite people in the world. Right? Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. uh, Doug Wilson, uh, we've had him on many times before. And um, if you guys haven't got a chance to get connected to Doug yet or to re get his resources, really, really encourage you guys to stop what you're doing and to do that. Um, he has written more books um, than I can possibly imagine he has time for. Mm. So he, I think maybe there's a ghostwriter involved. Um, <laughs> probably not. I don't know. I don't know how he does it, but he does. Holy and ghost. Um, he has uh, had a dramatic impact on us and our ministry. And uh, much of what we do today is as a result of the theological training we got from Doug. And so, Doug Wilson, welcome back to the show, brother. Hey, great to be back with you. That's right. All right. So let's talk, Doug, about, um, you wrote a book, uh, Serrated Edge, and right. of all your books, that is actually one of my favorite ones, because I thoroughly enjoyed the theological discussion, but it was also just really, I don't, I don't I almost hate to say this, but it was, it was entertaining, 
Mm. moving through the use of language and metaphor and symbol in the Bible. It was edgy. It was very edgy. So, <laughs> Doug, can you help us uh, talk about like that concept of serrated edge? Uh, we'll get to the book, but just the whole concept of, of using sharp language. Why did you write the book? And tell us about this serrated edge. Sure. I, I wrote the book because evangelical Christians are very sweet people. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And, and there's an upside to that. There's a, there's a lot of wonderful stuff that comes with that. But evangelicals are so sweet that they can't be friends with diabetics, really. And, <laughs> and what happens is right. if, you, if you respond to the prevailing ungodliness with a, res, a, a response that's tart or, or serrated or, or pungent or satiric— um, you will have more than a few Christians taking you aside, saying, uh, "Hey, brother, you probably don't want to. Uh, you probably don't want to talk to them that way. You probably don't want to respond that way." Um, would Jesus have um, responded that way? And when you reply, "Well, yes, he would have," and here's how he did it in Matthew 24, not Matthew 24, Matthew 23, uh, where he sort of disassembles the Pharisees. Um, they don't have a category for that. Right. right. And so um, they're so used to having Christ-likeness defined by their ecclesiastical culture instead of having Christ-likeness defined by the Bible. Mm -hmm. It is astonishing for many Christians to discover that this kind of verbal polemical engagement is preeminently biblical. It's yes. a very common biblical way of expressing uh, righteousness. Yes, right. And so one of the things that I had said yesterday, Doug, on a live stream, talking about satire and talking about the use of you know symbolism and metaphor that's cutting, one of the things I said was that it seems as though in the evangelical West, oftentimes we've erected a form of pious speaking right. or piety and language um, that if you take that standard uh, of, of piety and you actually drive it into the scriptures, um, we have our heroes looking like uh, vile sinners. You have Jesus looking like a sinner with that mm -hmm. modern sort of evangelical standard of piety uh, that we've erected. And so I struggle with that because um, we want to be faithful, we want to honor Christ, we don't want to be mean-spirited and nasty, and we don't want to engage in an un any kind of unholy speech. But I also want to make sure that we're not erecting a, a standard of holy speaking that ends up making the biblical heroes look like sinners. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and you, you can't really do that. You can't do what we have done without having the inversion be complete. So, for example, um, if you take the kind of smarmy, uh, sw sweetie, nice discourse that many Christians think is supposed to be the norm, you drive it into the Bible and you can't you can't find examples of that anywhere in the Bible. It's, right. It's, um, yeah. Now, there is, there is grace and peace, and there is uh, courteous discourse in the Scripture, but there isn't the smarminess that we set up as standard. Yeah. And, and you've, so you find yourself exalting that which God has not exalted, and that means that you have to throw down what God has exalted, what God has set before us as being worthy of imitation. Yeah. Um, and the thing that uh, what we have to recognize is, for example, um, the Apostle Paul says in Corinthians, you know, if anybody doesn't love the Lord Jesus Christ, then a curse be upon him. Yeah. Well, mm. wait, wait, you know, what Paul just said is, 
if anyone doesn't love the Lord Jesus, then God damn that guy. Right. Wow. And, right. and you say, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. If, but notice he says, if anyone does not love the Lord Jesus, love is right there in that sentence. Uh, and then he says, and then he utters this fearsome curse. Or in Galatians, he within within the same paragraph, basically, Paul is saying, I, I wish that those who would trouble you about circumcision would go the whole way and cut the whole thing off. That's right. And then, he, but then he says, within just a few sentences, make sure that you don't bite and devour each other because love is the fulfillment of the law. Right. So, so either Paul is a thundering hypocrite, which Christians have to exclude by definition, you know, believing Christians have to exclude by definition. Paul's not being a hypocrite there. Or love is not what we think it is. Very good. All right, guys. Important point, mm. and that is the true Galatians 5 serrated mm, edge good, right. right there, mm-hmm. for Lit- sure. Literally, <laughs> literally yeah. Be right back, guys. ApologiaStudios.com right here with Douglas Wilson. Make sure you guys stay with us. Welcome back to Apologia TV, everybody. Make sure you guys go check out ApologiaRadio.com. Get the over 200 radio and podcast episodes that we've done. Uh, we There's so much there. Such an amazing mm-hmm. history that we are humbled and really honored to be a part of, guys, with some of, the, our, some of our favorite theologians and pastors and scholars and scientists. Yep. It really is a tremendous blessing and an honor to be a part of. So go check it out, guys. Share some with your friends and family. And then uh, and make sure you guys partner with us with All Access, guys, so you get all the TV shows, the after show, Apologia Academy. And Doug has actually some yes. stuff on Apologia Academy yes, that does. is amazing on the biblical worldview. All right, back now, talking about the serrated edge. And I love how we finished that last segment talking about yeah, that was good. the kind of language that's used. And, I, and Doug, I actually really love how you, you follow that example up with the circumcision discussion. Paul says in Galatians 5 that he wished that they should just go the whole way, cut themselves off. And yep, he said it. And then he follows it up with uh, fruit of spirit, uh, love, yeah. right? Love each other. Mm-hmm. They love each other. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, so, Doug, can you fill, fill it out a little bit more? Because I do want to go into like where the line is mm-hmm. and how we can kind of understand what that line is. But can you give us some more examples in Scripture of like prophets, men of God, um, our heroes, you or God, God telling through the prophet. Uh-huh using language yeah. that that violates the 11th evangelical commandment which is <laughs> thou shalt be a sweetheart. Yeah. So God God himself comes down at the end of the book of Job and speaks to Job out of the whirlwind and says, "Tell me Job, where were you when I created the world? Fill me in since you know so much." You yeah. know, that's right. um, why is God, God the creator of heaven and earth being sarcastic to a creature? Well, because that's what brought Job to repent in dust and ashes, to, to, to stop his mouth and say, I need to understand what I'm dealing with here. Right. The thing, wow. the, this is the, uh, I think probably the key to this whole thing. And if, if you don't mind, I'd like to give you a little bit of backstory. Please do. I, I, wrote, I wrote this serrated edge. And then sometime after that, I got a letter from John Armstrong, uh, who was publishing at that time a, a journal called Reformation and Revival Journal. And he asked if it'd be all right with us if, um, if John Frame, uh, well, he, he said if, if we reviewed Serrated Edge in his journal, uh, I said, sure. And it turned out it was John Frame that did the review. So John Frame reviewed the Serrated Edge, and he had some critiques of the book. And, uh, and then I responded to those his critique. One of them was, how do you know when you're doing it right? Basically, yeah. you, you give a defense of, um, of this pattern of, of speech. But how do you know that you're being a godly satirist 
and not just someone with a personal problem. Right. Hmm. Okay. Um, and that, that was one of his critiques. So I put together, and it's on my blog. If you, if you go to blog and may blog or dougwills.com and just type uh, satiric edge in the um, uh, satiric bite in the, in the uh, search bar, there's a post that says, and Wilson almost suitably abashed responds. Okay. <laughs> and I, I outlined 21, 21 things that, that tell you that you're doing it right and what what distinguishes doing it right from doing it wrong. Um, and the, 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 the central thing is that you're, you're, you're using this as a tool or as a weapon. Not, you're not doing it because you're a crotchety, a crotchety person and you can't help it. Yes. So if, if you're the kind of person who always gets bad service in restaurants, <coughs> you know, the, it consists, the world never makes you happy about anything. You're just a grump. You're not a godly satirist. You're, you're just grumpy and everybody has a hard time being around you. But if you are a warrior, a warrior can go to battle and be fierce with the enemy and come home and love his wife and love his kids. Mm. And no one, no one sees a discrepancy or an incongruity. Well, wait a minute. How can you be so fierce with the enemy and so loving to your wife? Well, you'd say, well, because she's my wife and he's the enemy. That's, that's, how, I, wow. that's how I make this distinction. So um, there are a bunch of criteria that I put together. But one of them, number eight, is that a godly satirist should target lack of proportion, not exhibit lack of proportion. So, so a satirist targets lack of proportion, not exhibits lack of proportion. And when, when satire and when the serrated edge is done right, what you've done, what you do is you bring this tool or this weapon to some cultural outrage. Yeah. And let's take uh, abortion on demand as an example of that. Mm-hmm. Abortion on demand is outrageous. Mm-hmm. Uh, selling selling baby body parts is outrageous. Uh, the fact that it's revealed th- that this is going on and we continue to fund Planned Parenthood is outrageous. Mm-hmm. Everything about it is outrageous. Okay, If you uh, satirize what they're doing, if you bring a satiric bite to what you're doing, you can successfully re- invert the whole picture. What we have is this outrageous industry that is accepted as mainstream, and a godly satirist can reveal the outrageous as being outrageous. And, and the other thing is, until his work is done, it's the satire that's thought to be outrageous. Mm. Yes. Okay. That's a good so, point, yes. Uh, yeah. So we, we, are, we are living in a culture where we've killed 50 million children, a bunch of them, we, we've sold their parts. We don't know what bathroom to use anymore. Men can marry, uh, men, can marry men. Women can marry women. Uh, you can self-identify as anything you want to be. Facebook says you can be, what is it, 52 genders now? You know, right. Are there really because, that many now? Oh, my really? goodness. Um, unreal. Yep. Yeah, it's unreal. And it, clearly, because they're not 107 genders, they must be haters. Yeah. Right? So... Uh, when when you so we have a um, we have a culture that is in complete disarray and people are walking around as though this is normal. Yes. Okay. They it's normal. And when you bring any kind of pointed comment to bear, they think that you're the weirdo 
You're the nutcase. So uh, you're the one be, who objects to chopping up babies. You must have you must have a problem, exactly. right? Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I've got a problem. It's you guys. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So um, when satire, when a, a, a true ability to come after it, bring it, bring your, you know, uh, bring your whole, throw your whole weight into the punch, like Jeremiah knew how to do, or Amos knew how to do. Uh, so you ask for example, other examples. The whole book of Amos is an extended satire. Jeremiah uh, punches hard. Isaiah punches hard. When Isaiah describes how you chop down a tree and you burn a third of it to to keep yourself warm and you make your make your god out of the, the you know this other part yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, you've got this wood shop where you just made your god and then you sweep up pieces of your god and throw it away. Yeah. Um, the, uh, when Elijah confronts the uh, the um, mm-hmm. prophets of priests of Baal on Mount Carmel. Um, this is another thing. Oftentimes, our translations tidy things up a bit so mm-hmm. that you don't, um, right. so you don't outrage anybody. In in um, if you read this part of the Bible in the church service or something, but Elijah basically says, uh, "Shout louder! Your God's in the John." Apparently, yeah. you, you know, <laughs> um, right? Bang on the door, I, uh, Elijah says. Now, what kind of interfaith dialogue is that? <laughs> yeah, well, it's, not, it's not our kind of interfaith dialogue. That's for sure. Right. Wow. Right. That's powerful stuff. And and uh, one of my concerns, Doug, is because of this standard of piety and how we should speak uh, about these tragic and uh, horrible uh, circumstances and beliefs. Uh, one of my fears is is that uh, the city is on fire. I mentioned this yesterday. That you know people have set fire to God's city. The unbelievers are running. Uh, roughshod uh, against God's people in the city. They're destroying, they're killing, and uh, blowing everything up. And we're sending out squads of 89-year-old Lutheran women to spit on the, to spit on the fire. Right. And, um, and that just won't do. The unbelievers apparently have, um, I, I think, a, a, a more appropriate view of how they should deal with their enemies in opposition yeah, and how right. they speak about us. Uh, but we haven't discovered quite how to respond and, um, and so uh, I'm going to actually t- turn it over to, to Luke and Zach here when we come back from the break here, Doug. But I'm loving this conversation. I'm really, really, I want to tell you, I'm so grateful that this book exists, uh, Serrated Edge. I think it's really important. And um, if you struggle with these concepts, if you want to know more, I can't recommend better than, mm-hmm. than Doug on this. And get that book. Uh, you will enjoy it theologically, and you will truly enjoy it as you read it. You'll have a good time reading it. Uh, and I think it'll it'll open you up to new horizons in terms of how we can engage the world in a more biblical way. So be right back, guys. ApologiaStudios.com is where you go. A-P-O-L-O-G-I-A Studios.com. And we will be right back here on Apologia TV. Welcome back, everybody, to Apologia TV here with Luke the Bear, Zach, uh, Director of Communications uh, with EndAbortionNow.com, talking to Douglas Wilson, the writer of many delicious books that you need to get a hold of. Um, and uh, we're talking about Serrated Edge. Uh, you need to get that book. I'm going to turn it over to you guys now. Go ahead. Uh, well, my question, I don't know, Doug, if you saw the, there's one specific uh, joke from the show we did this week that's kind of sparked um sparked a lot of criticism um and and we've had a lot of accusations thrown at us saying don't use innuendos and okay. so my well, question but just real fast yes. one of the things someone said uh, and and they meant they were well intentioned i yeah. think i mean they said you shouldn't ever speak about image bearers of god like that yeah 
Right. So well, my question, so I guess, is is where where do we draw the line? What's the difference between an innuendo and uh, biblically righteous satire? Okay. Um, I'm sorry I haven't had a chance to okay. review that joke. What was it? Well, I'll, I'll tell you. So yeah. basically we were trying to review in the most biblical way and mock the position uh, Teen Vogue's article on sodomy. Right. Uh, I don't know if you heard. I'm sure you heard about that. Uh, yeah, about, yeah. Yeah. Teen Vogue uh, had the article uh, teaching people how to engage in sodomy. And so right. uh, one of the ways we approached that was we wanted to engage in mockery of such foolish things. So one mm -hmm. we talked about um, how they usually do much more intelligent and esteemed articles like the one we were just reading was how streaking at summer camp helped me love my body. Um, and so you sort of jabbed him there. And then uh, okay. I said that when I was a kid, uh, we had uh, different kinds of articles. We were taught, like, how to drive. Basically, we were taught how not to rear-end people. Okay. And, um, <laughs> and so, you know, we're obviously engaging in complete mockery of such foolishness. And there were a right. lot of believers that caught it and said that was absolutely powerful, a refutation of how just foolish and stupid that position is. And other very sensitive believers that were like, oh, you can't talk about image bearers of God like that. That just seemed... Uh, they seem like a joke that shouldn't come out of a Christian's mouth, and, and that's no way to jab at the unbelievers. Uh, somebody okay. actually said, you know, there are probably unbelievers watching this show. How would you feel about them, you know, mock you, you guys mocking their positions? So my, my only regret, my only concern about that joke is that I didn't think of it. All <laughs> 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 well, you heard it here, guys. <laughs> All right. I, I, want to rebuke you guys for that <laughs> so here, here here's the biblical answer when someone says you should never speak of image bearers that way we should say okay how did jesus speak of image bearers mm -hmm. jesus said that image bearers of god were whitewashed tombs mm -hmm. yeah he said that image bearers of the um their throats are an open grave um who will not come into the New Jerusalem at the end of the book of Revelation? Outside are all dogs, right? Dogs. And yeah. Dogs. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's a reference to, um, in Deuteronomy, sodomites are called dogs. Mm. You'll not, you will not bring the wage of a dog or a prostitute into the temple, right? Mm. So, so dogs are sodomites and, and whores are, you know, you don't bring, you don't accept any kind of gift into the church. From someone in that position, or in Jude or Second Peter, these false teachers who like unreasoning beasts—you know, they're they're like rutting animals—that the 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 few things that they do understand by like by instinct are the things that they're using to destroy themselves, etc. So you could multiply instance after instance after instance of men who are God's image bearers having a reductio thrown at them, right? Now, they, they are God's image bearers, but they're the ones denying it. Yes. Do you, you see what yes, I mean? Yes, wow. so they're, yes. They're the ones who are insulting the image of God. They're the ones who are defying the image of God. They're the ones who are degrading the image of God. And if you pop them biblically, then what what that might do is like, it's, it's like uh, shock treatment, you know, cardio um, yeah. shock treatment. Sometimes that kind of Okay, you you deny the image of God in yourself. Let me take that and raise you ten, and you know, and and pop them. Well, that is certainly not unrighteous because the Bible does it all the time. The Bible does that sort of thing 
all the time. Now, the, 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 the thing that's related to this is that you, if, someone, if someone repented, you know, someone in this uh, Teen Vogue uh, world repented and they turned to Christ and you're still mad at them, then you're not doing it, doing it right. You, the, we want to destroy God's enemies. Right. But right. when God makes them into friends, that destroys an enemy. Yes. Mm. So when God destroys an enemy by converting Saul of Tarsus on the, on the road to, to persecute Christians, that should delight us, that mm-hmm. we should rejoice in the fact that one of these enemies has been destroyed by being transformed into a friend. Yes. Right. So we're not, we're not bitter or vindictive or harsh or we just, it's not as though we want to see people destroyed, but we want to see the insults that are being directed at God. We want that to be destroyed. We want that to go down. And, and if God does it redemptively, wonderful. And if he doesn't do it redemptively, at the end of the story, he's going to do it old school. The thing that's interesting in the book of Revelation, when Babylon is destroyed, and it says the smoke from her goes up forever and ever, Yes, that's, that's the one place in the New Testament where the word hallelujah is used. Wow. The, the saints of God watching Babylon burn and the smoke from her going up forever and ever, that's the one place where God's people say, hallelujah, wow. glory, glory. Man. Oh, this, uh, wow. this discussion is so important. About a minute and a half left here. Is that a quick question? I was, that just reminded me, not really a question, just a remark about the example that you used from Job, all of the rhetorical questions that God asks mm. him that lead him to a place of absolute and utter repentance to where he's... Just, you know, tearing his clothes and, you know, saying up until now I hadn't seen you. Um, and all these rhetorical questions actually pointed me to you. And like you said, right. led, led him to a redemptive place where God used those things to actually draw him and make, um, once again, a friend out of an enemy. So I just thought that was a great example. Actually, this kind of a thing, satire, you know, these kinds of rhetorical questions in the scripture can actually lead a person to that place. I don't know if that's fair to say. Yeah. Yeah, if I could add one, this just in closing, if I could add one thing. Yeah. I've generally found Christians object to this whole thing one of two ways. They either say, this is not, what you're doing is not biblical, to which I respond, okay, let's have a Bible study. All right, Let, mm-hmm. let's look at what the Bible actually says. Then the other thing they say is, well, it may be biblical, but you're turning people off. You're turning people away. Okay. And I would say not in my experience. And I think looking at the ministry that Apologia has had, not in yours either. That's right. Right? Um, You're not turning people away. Um, Christians are so tired of the mealy-mouthed approach that Christian leaders have exhibited toward rank unrighteousness that this sort of ministry is a breath of fresh air. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Doug. You're a blessing as always. And encourage everyone, go get Doug's stuff. Uh, ApologiaStudios.com is where you get uh, this episode. And uh, Doug, just quickly, where can they go to get your books and resources? Where do you want them to land? Uh, CanonPress.com. All right, Doug. Thank you so much. Appreciate it so much. Your blessing, brother, as always. All right. Catch you guys next time on Apologia TV. What's up, y'all? This is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio at ApologiaRadio.com want to talk to you guys about an amazing connection that we have right now with Whitfield Theological Seminary. I want you to run over to whitfield.edu, whitfield.edu, W-H-I-T-E-F-I-E-L-D.edu. I want you to check out the programs they have. They have undergraduate 
programs at Whitfield College, and they also have Whitfield Theological Seminary for the graduate degree and above and beyond. I, I think you'll really be impressed with the rigorous nature of the classes, the consistent biblical worldview taught and adhered to. I want you to contact Whitfield Theological Seminary at whitfield.edu. Get a hold of our friend, Dr. Kenneth Talbot, and start your classes today. Apologiaradio.com.